For our guests, we are teaching through the book of James, the epistle of James, and we are starting in chapter 3. So if you open up your Bibles to chapter 3 of James, we'll get started. I want to ask you a question. Um, what is like a match? This is a match. You know? A lighter? Good, good. Keep that thought now. Keep that thought. I'm going to give you two points of view in the fir- for the first verse. The first verse reads, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. There's two things that I want to point out. One is that he says, my brethren, so of course he's talking to the, to the church here. And he says that knowing that as such we will. So he's also including himself in on being a teacher because he says that not many of you become teachers. Well, during that time of the early church, of course, you know that uh, in reading other epistles also that um, there were many problems going on in the church, um, in the early church. And problems have been going on in churches uh, throughout history. Things are going on, problems are happening in churches now, aren't they? Uh, just not one church, every church, you know. As long as you have more than one person, you have problems, you see. And that, I mean, that, this is real, you know. And we could say the same thing about a family, you know. A church is just a, a larger uh, family because you have a lot of families coming together. But in a family, you're going to have problems. I don't know not one family that I've ever met uh, that was honest uh, that never had a problem. Everyone's going to have problems. So it's not the problem, it's really how you are going to solve the problems. Are we going to solve the problems in a godly way? Are we going to let the problems consume us and then we'll consume each other in the process? Well, James is trying to let them know that, uh, you know, what I want you to do is understand that, that I don't want all of you to be aspiring to be teachers because, see, in a, in a church where you have problems, in a family where you have problems, everybody's going to try to, try to uh, put themselves up as a, as a teacher, uh, then we're going to have some problems because everyone is not a teacher. We know that uh, it, it can be very popular to be a teacher uh, because usually people look up to teachers and, and uh, if you're a teacher, teacher, you probably have pupils and you have uh, people who are going to follow your teaching. And so people like that. But he's uh, letting us know don't do that because you're going to incur a stricter judgment. So if you're not called to be a teacher, then don't put yourself in that situation. See, people who are unqualified, ungifted to do that, we're doing it. Uh, now, of course, we know that people are gifted by God. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, hold your place in James because we're going right back there. Verse 28, 29, it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then the work of the miracles and gifts of healings, helps. So God has put gifts in the church. That's understandable. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 7, it says, But to each one of us grace has been given. See, grace has been given. If, if you have a gift, it's the grace of God. It's not because you're all that or we're all that. It's not that. It's, it's a grace of God. He says that, that according to the grace that was given to us, according to the measure of Christ's gift, then verse 11 says that, and he has given the church, so he gave gifts to the church, some apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That's what God wants. And so he does that for his church. So there are gifted people. Now, just because there are people who are gift ministries, like uh, apostles, teachers, pastors, whoever, it doesn't mean that you can't teach because you should teach. Everyone should teach. Matter of fact, we have a, a, a commandment to teach. We have a, a commission to teach. He said, go into all the world and uh, make disciples. 
And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He also said, and teaching them. Didn't he say teaching them? Okay, those things that he has commanded us to do. Or them to do because he's talking to the, uh, the apostles at that time. So we all call to teach. Uh, but then there are gift ministers in the church. And so we should all be operating our gifts. But if you are a teacher, you should have a teachable spirit. You should be under tutorage of somebody, or just a loose canon, or just a loose teacher that's not uh, under any authority is dangerous because there's no accountability for that person's teaching. And they should pass their teaching by those who they are, they are under because they're safe in that. And also, they know that we don't stand before God on Judgment Day and answer for it. We're going to have to stand before God. And there, so therefore, there's a higher judgment on teachers. In Luke chapter 4, verse 48, it says, But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of flogging will receive but few. But from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. In other words, to whom much is given, much is required. So James is trying to let them know, don't try to be in uh, uh, an area where you're not gifted and you haven't given, been, uh, been given the anointing of God to do that because we're going to all have to stand before the judgment seat of God. Do you realize that it's a big responsibility to be a teacher? Because we're teaching the Holy Word of God. And so that uh, most people don't really uh, study the Word of God like they should. Do you know that? Most people don't do that, so they depend upon the one teaching to teach them what God has said. And people follow that. And so it becomes very dangerous uh, for someone to, to be teaching and they're not gifted to do that because usually they don't have the uh, inward desire to study and show themselves approved like they should, like Paul told Timothy. And so therefore, I know I don't want anybody standing before me trying to teach me. And, and you ask us, well, you know, um, have you, how do, how, do you, how do you get your message, you know? Well, I don't know, you know, sometimes I just open the Bible and uh, it just pops out right there. Other times, you know, I'm watching TV and I get a message from there. Another time, I'm, you know, uh, I'm just riding down the street, you know, and uh, I see something happening and then I, you know, get a message there. And so I just get my message from a lot of different places. I'm led by the Spirit of God, you know. I, don't, I, would, be, I would want to be on a person like that because <laughs> I want the Word of God. And I want somebody who knows how to, you know, uh, find out what God is saying in the proper context and deliver that thing. Uh, and then tell, encourage me to do the same thing because that is the only thing that's going to stand, the Word of God. So it takes a long time to, um, to pray and to study and to prepare. It takes a long time to do that. Uh, it, you know, you have, to, you have to pray. At least that's what I do. I have, to pray, I have to pray, 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 pray until I find out what God wants me to do. And you say, well, you're teaching through James. It ought to be obvious what you're going to do. You know, you stopped in verse 26 of chapter 2, and the next verse is 3-1. So, what you had to pray for? Because, <laughs> because I don't know what God wants me to point out in, this, in, in, in chapter 3. I really don't. I know what I could do apart from Him, but the Word tells me I can do nothing apart from Him. So, therefore, why in the world would I want to start standing up here saying, well, it's simple. All you have to do is read this, and then I, I give my commentary on it. Uh, no, what we need to do is find out what God is saying, because God might not want to teach chapter 3 at all. Is that possible? Yeah. And we want, we want what God wants, right? So it says that that's what we need to do. Also, teachers need to be doers of the word also, because there's no fun of somebody telling you what to do but you know their lifestyle doesn't match it. So it's a lot of weight on teachers. So that's what he was trying to tell them. 
their one point of view. Another point of view basically was that no, he's not talking really about that type of teacher per se. What he's talking about is that now you can you, you know give me two point of views now. You say why are you giving me two point of views? It'll be easier to give me one because then I'm gonna have to choose. Good, you know. You need to study to show yourself approved. <laughs> you know that's what you need to do. And I can tell you which one. Hey, I like this one, so I'm gonna give him this. I'm not gonna give him the other one. If I'm not sure what it means, then it'd be stupid for me to sit up here and say, "Hey, this is saying this." When I know I got to stand before God for what I said today, that makes sense. Okay. So the other point of view is that uh, He doesn't want us to all act like we are teachers because what happens is that, and this is a, this is what happens most of the time. Also, in any situation, is that people have problems. They very seldom, they very seldom come to the elders. Okay. Usually, when they come to the elders. Usually, um, everything is said and done. They've already made the decisions, pretty much. Okay, uh, but they'll go to their friends. And what happens is that he said, "Look, don't act like you're a teacher. You're sitting in the, in the, in the office of a teacher or something uh, when you are trying to tell somebody what to do when they when they come to you asking you for something to do, because you're gonna have to uh, realize you're gonna have a way to." A judgment if you're telling somebody what God is saying and God is really not saying that because you really don't even know the word of God that good you're giving them your opinion about what something what something should be done in your situation how many of you know what I'm talking about is that somebody come to you and, and, and they say well uh, well they probably didn't come to you you probably heard them come to some, you heard about them going to other people and you would listen to the conversation uh, and uh, they said well look this is what's going on what would you do and they said, child, this is what I'll do with this thing. Girl, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up with this thing. I'll do this right here. That, you know? That's how it happens most times in situations. You know? And, and the, pe- the people who are giving advice, they are not meaning in harm. They are really think they are correct when they're saying that. You see? Because they say, well, you, know, you don't have to put up with that. You, don't, you, get, you need to do this right here. You need to do that. And this value, I'll do this right here. Well, he said, don't. don't you know, try to stand in, 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 in judgment of people like that and, and give them uh, those directions. Also, it happens that sometimes you come to a person and say, well, look, this is what's going on. If I were you, I would, I, I would get rid of that dude. He, he doesn't love you. He doesn't have anything to do with you. And it could be the opposite way, too, you know. Uh, man, that girl, is, she is playing you, man. She, all she wants is your money, you know, this sort of and, and we are judging the situation. You are foolish going out with that person, you know. We, we say all sorts of things, you know. We really do. And he's saying that don't do that. If you're going to speak to somebody, then give them the oracles of God. You need to be in humility. You need to have a spirit of a learner. You need to not censor another person for, uh, uh, in, in other words, don't try to bring somebody into your standard. Because your standard is not God's standard. Try to bring people into God's standard. And see, what some people do is they'll judge other people by their own standards. And they, their own standards really are, are, are less than God's standards in areas, but they are trying to tell somebody else what to do. And so what God says is that, look, when you judge others, What's going to happen is that you're going to be judged yourself by the same measure that you judge other people. You're going to be judged the same way. Let's look at Matthew 7, 1, 1 and 2. It says, do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you again. So therefore, let's don't be quick to find fault in other people. You know, let's don't arrogantly and, 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 and proudly like we are something pass judgment on other people uh, in a situation. Because we, can, we, we, we have to expect the same thing from God if we do that. And so I've told you before is that usually a person, what they do is they will judge somebody in an area that they are strong in. Not what they're weak in and what they're strong in. 
if I'm a, if I'm a person who's strong and disciplined in time management, then I will judge people who are weak in that area. I'll say, well, you know, I can't believe is they always come late. Always. I, can't, I, I don't understand why they are always coming late, you know. Anybody can get somewhere on time. All you had to do is get there on time. They can do that. Anybody can do that. Now, how many of you know people like that? You know? You might be married to one. <laughs> but see, the thing is that, now, now, if you say, well, well, what about in this area of your life? Wait a minute, we're not talking about my life. We're talking about you now. And so we do that. But see, how many of us have weaknesses? All of us should be raising our hand because we all have weaknesses. But we don't, we don't judge anybody on our weaknesses. We judge people on our strength. So God is saying that when you go to people, have a spirit of humility. And, and, and uh, because realize that when you are uh, sometimes offended by somebody, what they did, realize that you did something that offended somebody too. You know? Because we all can be offensive. Let's, let's look at it in verse 2. The first part of verse 2, 2a. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to brighten his whole body as well. So the first part of that, we all stumble. Meaning that, that we all have faults. We all fail or, or error in an area. We all do that. To a certain extent. We all are working towards it because we are working to the degree of sanctification. Every single person should be working to be more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. And if we all have arrived at being just like Jesus, then we probably need to be doing something else rather than coming to church. We need to be out, you know, um, you know just probably need, we need to go on home to the Lord, probably. You know, because that means that you don't have a flesh. That means you have your, your uh, glorified body. Because as long as you're in this flesh, you're going to have some weaknesses. Guaranteed. You know? And we're going we're gonna to overcome this flesh. But I believe that we're going to overcome this flesh when we get rid of this flesh. This flesh is going to have to be beat into subjection. It, it, it's unruly. Is your flesh like that? It's just unruly. You know, it wants to do what it wants to do. You know? And praise God for our mind and the spirit, spirit is renewed that we can team up against this flesh and keep it tied up until we get a new flesh. Now it says that he is a perfect man. That perfect man means that he's, a, he's teleos. He he's, he's, has matured. He's disciplined. Teleos also means you are have arrived at the completion of what God has for you. Okay? But in this instance, it's saying that basically you are mature, you're disciplined in that area, and you're able to bridle the whole body. Okay? You're able to govern or control your whole body if we're able to do that. Verse 3. Let's go there. It says... Now, if you put bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. What is a bit? How many of you have, how many have been around a horse that know what a bit is? Okay. What, what, what's a bit? Somebody tell me. It's a what in the mouth? A piece of chewing gum? What, what is it? Okay, it's a, a metal thing in the mouth, right? What is that in their mouth for? To guide it, to control it. How can you control it with a piece of metal in their mouth? It inflicts pain if they try to go against what you're doing. If you pull the reins this way and they want to go that way, it's going to be pain, right? It's going to hurt them. So therefore, they're going to go the way you, that you, uh, you want them to go. Is that correct? Okay, I haven't been on a horse but one time. And so, I, you know, and <laughs> he, was, he was old. I asked him, give me an old horse, you know. 
can't see, can't move, you know. <laughs> and all the horse did was just follow the other horses out there. That was pretty cool, man. That was a good experience, you know. I don't want, I don't want no stallion, you know. Somebody, said, oh my goodness, those horses are big, you know. <laughs> it says that you're able to direct their entire body as well. Then it says, another illustration says, look at the ships also. Though they are so great, you know, uh, we have people that, you, you've seen those cruise ships, right? Those big cruises. I mean, they, they have basketball courts on them, they have climbing things, they have all sorts of things on those things. They are big ships. But, but it says here that they are, they are great and driven by strong winds are still directed by a very small rudder. Whereas the inclination of the pilot desires. What's a rudder? Nobody been on a ship? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a little thing on the, the, the ship that goes whichever way you turn the thing. It'll move and it directs the ship. So the ship is big, but the rudder is not bigger than the ship, is it? The rudder is really small compared to the ship, right? Then it tells us that so also the tongue is a small part of the body. Now, I'm, I was trying to measure my tongue <laughs> because I, I said, you know, it's a small part of the body. I said, oh, how small is this thing, you know? Uh, your tongue is pretty long, you know that? Yeah. It's over three inches, you know, at least. You know? I said, man, get in the brush, you know? But it says, it's, it's small compared to my body. It's real small. But it says here that so is the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Fire? Now, he just, I, I just read about the tongue. Then he talked about a fire. Now, which is it? Is it a tongue or a fire? He says, see how great a forest is set on flame by a small fire. So you can take a match like this, and you can go in the, in the forest, especially if it's dry weather. You can strike this thing. Is it going to survive? Is it going to survive? There you go. Yeah. Woo. Kids don't play with fire. You know. And, and you, can, you can drop this thing, and, and what will happen to it? It will set a whole forest on fire, won't it? Is it a whole forest on fire? Just a little flame. Just a little. This thing is not as long as your tongue. Because imagine it. You know? It's not as long as your tongue. But it'll set a whole forest on fire. God is saying that, that little things can cause a lot of damage, in other words. That's what he's saying. A lot of damage. A small match can cause a lot of damage. People's houses get burnt down by a little white thing. Sometimes it drop out of somebody's mouth when they sleep. And it'll set the whole house on fire. A little bit at a time. A little fire will start a big blaze. Then he says, and the tongue is a fire. That's what he said, the tongue is a fire. Now why is the tongue a fire? A, the very world of iniquity. What? Now, basically, iniquity is, is, is wickedness, it's um, injustice, it's wrong. That's what it is. Okay? Unrighteousness, wrongdoing. The tongue, it says, a world of iniquity. The psalm total is a world of iniquity. All of iniquity, just about, it says, the, the tongue is doing it. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. So it stains. You know, when you, if you're going to stain some wood, it, it, it'll put a whole different uh, color on your whole entire body because it's out of order. Okay? The body, when it speaks of the body, it's talking about really your whole person. 
really your whole life. And it says here that it is set, it sets on fire the course of our life. It sets on course our life. What's the course? A course is like a wheel. It's like a, it's like a track. It's like a, you know, runners run around a track. Uh, long distance runners, they, they, they have a, uh, uh, a track they run on too. A course, you know, a course. Like the, the, the uh, cross country course. They have courses they run on. It's a prescribed place. They leave from this place, they'll go and go and then they'll end up at another place. That's, a, that's a, like a, a cross country course. It says, it says that, that, that the tongue, among our members, it, it, it's a world of iniquity. It sets on fire the course of our life. Now you think, I'm 61, so my tongue can set on fire and my whole course can be affected by what this little thing does. My whole life. To a certain extent, I've been affected by what I've, I've said throughout my life. And you have too. It's, it's affected my whole life. I've seen people mess up their lives by what they say and what they don't say. Then it says, and is set on fire by hell. Now, now it's getting serious. You know, now you tell me it's, it's, it's the tongue is a fire. Then you tell me the fire started by hell. I said, "Woo, my goodness gracious!" You know, and Gehenna. You know, when it was said hell, if you look it up, it's talking about uh, the Greek words Gehenna, and it was a uh, it's a word from the a word that means that they they valid the sons of Hennon. And it was like a place south of Jerusalem where they had pagan sacrifices. But in the New Testament, is is basically telling us that this is the, the uh, this is where de- the devil belongs in hell. You know, this is his abode in hell. It's set on fire by hell. That is serious to me. Saints, let me tell you. Uh, the tongue just doesn't speak natural things. You're hearing natural things that I'm talking. People hear natural things. You hear yourself natural things that you say out of your mouth. But they're not natural only. They're spiritual. Okay? They're spiritual. And see, we don't understand that. If we understood that, we wouldn't talk so much. And we wouldn't say things we shouldn't say. Because we don't realize we're affecting spiritually our whole life. Our tongue is like a seed. It, matter of fact, it tells us uh, we're supposed to get a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. So that means when we are praising God in whatever language we praise God in, here is English, that means that it's the fruit of our lips. It brings glory to God. But also, what we say can bring glory to God if we say the right things. But it can also, it can do damage to the kingdom of God if we're saying the wrong things. Let's look at it. Matthew fifteen eleven. Remember, we're talking spiritual things now. We're not talking about natural things because if you, if you believe we're talking natural things, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the whole message because we're not talking about natural things. And I try to tell people all the time, look, you are sowing seeds that's going to come a harvest sometime later. Stop sowing wrong seeds. Okay? Sow good seeds because it's going to come up. Because the law of sowing and reaping is going to come up. And, and, and matter of fact, it says in uh, Genesis, um, I think it's uh, 8.22, it says that as long as the earth remains, 
It's going to be seed time and harvest. That's what it says. So the earth is still here. So that means there's seed time and there's harvest. What are you sowing? What are you sowing? Because the harvest is going to come. That's what it's saying. Spiritually now. Spiritually. You're speaking natural, but it's doing something spiritual. Let me give you a, a great example. You remember when Jesus uh, cursed the fig tree? Those of you who know that account. It's not, he didn't use profanity now. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's not what he said. He, he, spoke, he spoke evil about this tree. Okay, to curse something is to, is to, is to, is to speak destruction on somebody. That's a curse. When somebody said, uh, unfounded curse will not light, that means that when people speak destruction and, and uh, things against you, it will not light because it's unfounded. Okay? But if it's, if it's founded, it can do damage. It's a spiritual thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a spiritual thing. Now, let's look at it. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He spoke, he said that, what did he say? Okay, he, he said, you know, nobody, nobody's going to eat fruit from you, from you from this time forward. No, no fruit can come from you. Period. That's it. You forget it. Because he didn't find fruit on the tree. That's what it is. And so, of course, you know, he's, he's speaking types and shadows. I'm not teaching on that right now, but that's what he said. What happened to the tree? Later on, what happened to the tree? When they came back, a lot of figs were on the tree, right? No. What happened to the tree? It withered from the roots, didn't it? That means that, my goodness gracious, my goodness gracious, when Jesus said, spoke those words, they were natural words, weren't they? But they did some spiritual damage. Somewhere, because his tongue didn't, didn't, didn't kill, the, kill the root in the natural, did it? No. It's a spiritual thing. He spoke natural words, but it, it, it put into action, motion, something in the spirit realm that caused destruction on that tree. We can speak things with our mouth in the natural and cause this, it'll start a spiritual, a spiritual wheel going and it'll set in motion and can affect the course of your life. And you, you can wonder, man, why did this happen to me now in this situation? This may have been something you've been saying Way back when, ten years ago, five years ago, when people said you shouldn't say those things like that, you shouldn't talk like that, you shouldn't, but you didn't, you didn't understand that because we sometimes wiggle this thing in our mouth because of our emotions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because of circumstances, we say things, and God is trying to tell us, don't say something with your mouth. Keep your mouth closed, unless you're gonna speak good of something. Don't do that. Matter of fact, uh, it says in <laughs> uh, James chapter 1, verse 26, you remember we said this, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not brighter his tongue, but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is worthless. So, just because we call ourselves Christians, if what's coming in our mouth are curses, of, of speaking evil, speaking bad things about something, and can cause problems. When I learned this principle, you know, I used to, I used to, and other principles to go with that, because we have dominion over 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 uh, things on the earth, because Jesus said that we did back from um, back in Genesis. He gave us dominion, and so if He gave us dominion, then we lost it, and we got it back when we got saved. I said, well, look, that means I can speak to the weather, and the weather has to obey. Jesus did, didn't he? Didn't he? But we have to be speak God, God's will. And so, usually, uh, this is back over in Park Avenue when we were over there. Um, to me, Satan used to try to sabotage Sundays all the time. Every winter, he used to, he used to start these threats of snow about Friday and Saturday. You know? And it, you know it's going to affect the people. If one flake falls, they're not coming, you know? <laughs> and it affects the budget, affects everything, you know. Uh, and so, you know, I'll get in the sanctuary and I said, I said, God, 
I know it's your will to be glorified on your day, you know. And we celebrate your day on your resurrection day on Sunday. So therefore, on Sunday, you want people to be in your house, your saints. So I start speaking against weather. And, and I, I, I tell the weather, you know, is, you know, you shall not snow, you know. <clears throat> now, I know I had Christians speaking opposite. I know that. <laughs> when I used to be a teacher, I used to speak opposite <laughs> of pastors, you know. Let us know five inches, Lord, you know. <laughs> I don't want to go to school, you know. There's no Sunday, you know, Saturday night, Sunday, and they can't clean the roads off. We're not going to school on Monday. Then we're going to be late on Tuesday, you know, delayed, you know, that's a praise God, you know, every Sunday, you know, snow, you know. But uh, it's not good. And I had children praying against me too because they want to snow because they want to play outside, you know. Some of you probably praying to snow, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is that, that you got to learn that you, you can control things by your tongue. That's, that's the object of what I'm talking about. You can control things by your tongue. You have to learn that what you say means something. If it were not so, let's don't read the Bible cause, uh, and let's don't say, uh, Jesus is faithful. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. You know, as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, you know, it was there, make it bud, it doesn't return there, void. It shall it come to which is pleased, it shall prosper to the thing you sent it. No need to quote all those scriptures from, from, you know, the Old Testament because because if Jesus says something, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily have to come. It depends on the circumstances. If it's, you know, hey, if it's going to rain, it's going to rain. Who can control that, you know? But to me, when I read the Bible, I read that Jesus said, peace be still. And then all the waves and everything, so I'm, he's calm over the sea. My goodness gracious, what kind of man is this man that can just speak to the elements and they obey what kind of people are we? We're supposed to be in his image. We're supposed to be having the Holy Spirit in us. We're supposed to be spiritual dynamos that we should be able to say things and it happen. Is that correct? God is trying to get that to us. And so this type of message like today is an encouragement because God is trying to give you the control you want and the power you want, the anointing you want, to be able to speak to your circumstances in your household and, and, and obeys you. But he, he can't do that with us if one minute we're talking good and another minute we're talking bad. You see what I'm saying? Jesus didn't ever speak bad. He just spoke what God told him to speak. That's what we have to speak. So we have to know God's will to speak that. Let's go a little further. Matthew 15, 11 says, Not what enters the mouth defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth defiles a man. So we can defile ourselves. You remember it said that a tongue is among our members as that which defiles the entire body. Our tongue can defile our body. Satan knows that. So that's why Satan tries to aggravate you. He tries to irritate you. He tries to get you into situations where you're fed up. You know, you, you know, somebody done, done pressed your wrong button, and then you go off on them. And we go off on them with our tongue, don't we? And we say things we shouldn't say. And Satan say, yes, praise God, I got them, you know, I got them now. God can't, can't deliver them out of that because they're disobedient to God. And your, your God and angels are about trying to tell you, be quiet, don't say that, don't say that. Don't ever call yourself what people call you. you know? Don't ever put these silly names on your children. You know? Because you're speaking things. You know? I'm telling you. Don't tell that just because somebody told you something. Don't say, my child has attention deficit disease or something. A disorder. You know? My child is slow learning. Don't say those things. You say, but it's true. Says who? Did the Bible tell you that? 
No. No. Don't call people names, you know. He's just a little devil. Oh, my goodness gracious. Come on. You think you're not saying anything. You think you're just being cute. But no, you're speaking things in the spirit realm. That's why God said, you know, you, do, you want to honor your parents. Don't, don't speak evil of your parents, you know, because you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. You know? Psalm 15, 1 through 3. Let's look at it. Who may abide in, the tent, in, in thy tent? Who may dwell in thy holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue. Whew. Come on. What is slander? You're saying something about somebody. You know, that's, a, that's defiling their character. Like it's defamation of character. That's what you're doing. You say, but it's true. I'll tell them that to their face. It's still your tongue is wagging, saying something that God says he doesn't want you to say. If he says, He'd, who's going to be in my holy hill? Who's going to be there with me? He who does not slander with his tongue. He doesn't say that. He who does not slander with his tongue, un, you know, if it's not true. No, it's don't slander, period. I don't care if that person is the worst person in the world. Don't slander the person. Because God said don't slander. He don't want people with him slandering. He might mess around and slander him. The angel, he don't want you out there slandering him. Psalm 39, 1 and 2. I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth. As with a muzzle. What is a muzzle? What does a muzzle do? Huh? You know like a muzzle, you can put a muzzle on a dog? What happens if you put a muzzle on a dog? Can't bite you. Yeah. Now this is what, you know, Psalm of David was saying. He's saying, look, I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. See, he knew. He knew the principles. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say things with my mouth that I want to say because uh, that, that I shouldn't say because it's not gonna be helpful to me nor to the kingdom of God. So therefore, I'm gonna put a muzzle on his mouth. I'm gonna keep silent. In other words, Psalm fifty-two four. You love all words that devour. Oh, deceitful tongue. Woo. Wait a minute. You love all words that devour. Oh, deceitful tongue. You think that's a that's an accurate description of the tongue, according to James? Proverbs 17, 20. He who has a crooked mind finds no good. And he who is perverted in his language, falls into evil. I don't want to fall into evil. So why should I speak things out of my mouth that's not right? And anything that's not the word of God is perverted. It's because the word of God is true. It's truth. And so if we speak things that's not truth by the word of God, we're speaking perverted, perverted things. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Ooh, is that, is that serious talk? See, God is saying that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means a tongue who's set, that's set on fire by hell is saying that it has power to speak life and death. And it's in its power. My goodness. My, 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 my goodness. It's amazing how many things we speak deaf over. And we don't, we don't think we're doing it. But we can do it to our marriages. We can do it to any relationship by what we say. 
Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. How many want more troubles? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. We got enough of those, you know. We need to guard our mouth and our tongue. Proverbs 25, 15, 23. By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Here is telling us that there is power in a soft language, a soft tongue, a tongue that is just gentle. You know, it has great power, great power. And we think we have to raise our volume to have great power. We don't have great power when we raise our voice. We have very little power. Peter. 1 Peter 3, 10 and 12, it says, Let him who means to love life and see good days. I want to love life and I want to see good days. I want to see bad days. How many want to see good days? Yeah, I want to see good days. Refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from guile. Guile is deceit. So we don't want to deceive with our mouth, nor do we want to uh, speak evil with our tongue, and we can always know what evil is because it's not. It's against the word of God. If it's against the word of God, it's evil. Okay, and we are destroying our life. So we want to end today by encouraging us that God is serious when He gave us the Epistle of James, and we just went through part of chapter three. We have another part, some more part of chapter 3 to go through. And it's going to talk more about the tongue, but um, this is the major part here. And it gives me encouragement that I need to be accountable for what I say. I need somebody to help me to make sure I'm saying things that I should be saying and I, I'm refraining from saying things that I shouldn't say. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the word word is powerful, Lord. It's sharpening it to his sword. Father, we thank you that um, you have given us your word on this thing. And your word has told us that our tongue is powerful. And you have given us the tongue, Lord. You're the one who gave us the tongue. But you gave us directives what to do with this tongue, what to say with this tongue. You've given us examples through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ what to say, what to do, because we need to follow in his footsteps. Father, I believe we all fall short. I believe. I know I fall short. I know I haven't arrived. And I believe that the rest of us here have not arrived either. Father, we want to pray. We want to ask you to forgive us, Lord, for things we've said. And we want to pray for grace, Lord. Enabling, that's what we're praying for, grace. That means enabling. We want that enablement to speak proper things, Lord. Would everybody stand? If you are... needed to be included when I close with this prayer. Just raise your hand and put it back down, please. That's what I'm praying for is just that that is that we will ask for forgiveness and that we will be given grace, enablement to do better with our tongues, Lord. If you want to be included in that prayer, just raise your hand. Okay, put it back down. Thank you. Father, You've seen the hands, Lord. We are closing with this prayer, Lord. And we say, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Because we've said things that we know that we shouldn't have said. Father, we have put into motion things that shouldn't be into motion. We're asking you for mercy, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, 
to kill those seeds that we've sown, Lord. Because you've said that there's seed time and there's harvest. We're asking for you to bring destruction to those destructive seeds that we've sown. Because even though you sow seeds, we know if it doesn't rain on it, if the sun doesn't shine on it, in a natural, it's going to be less productive. If you throw some poison on it, it'll kill it. Father, we're asking you to kill those seeds, Lord. Give us an opportunity, Lord, to sow good seeds. More good seeds. We've been sowing some good seeds, but we've been sowing mixed, mixed seeds, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, for grace. Grace and, and enablement, Lord, to control this unruly member of our body. This small member that's putting into motion a course for our whole lives, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to put a muzzle on it, to put a bridle on it, Lord, to put, Lord, a, a control over it. You steer it, Holy Spirit. You be the captain of this ship. You turn this rudder where you want this body to go, Lord. You pull the reins, Lord. Don't allow us to keep destroying relationships, Lord, with our tongues. And Father, we give you all the praise and we give you the glory. We know we are praying according to your will because we know, Lord, that you want us to ask for forgiveness. You want us to confess our sins. And we, have, we say we have sinned against you only, Lord. You said you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we know that we are cleansed, Lord. We know we have a, a clean slate, Lord. And we know that faith without works are dead. So, Father, we trust that it's done. And we're going to act like it's done. And since we've asked for grace... We know that you give grace, so we're going to act like we have it. We're going to start, when we close, we're going to start speaking good in situations. And when the circumstance comes, when we get irritated, agitated, when we get riled up emotionally, we're going to keep a muzzle on this, this tongue, Lord. We're going to keep a muzzle on it. Because we know it's a spiritual thing. We know the enemy is trying to get us to speak destruction to our own life and to our own situation. And we're not going to fall for that bait. We're not going to take it. We're just not going to do it anymore by your grace. And all those who believe it say amen.